Hello everyone, welcome to Zero Down podcast by Artha Shastra, the Economic Society of Miranda House. In today's episode, we are going to talk about the evolution of economics and how it really began. So I am Chahat. And I am Gungun. And let's dive into the episode. ever been so lost that someone has to violently shake you or probably hit you to bring you back? Well, that's an odd question. But to be perfectly candid, never. (laughs) Good for you. Well, um, let me tell you about the Scottish philosopher Adam Smith, who was known, unlike you, for getting so lost in thought that they would sometimes forget where they were. Their friends would notice them talking to themselves, their lips moving and their head nodding, as if they were testing out some new idea. From what I know, they had good reason to be caught up in their thoughts. They had moved away from the buzz of the cities, where they had made their name as a philosopher to write what would become arguably the most celebrated book in the history of economics. It led some to call them the father of modern economics. Ah, fancy. In it, Smith posed one of the fundamental questions of economics. Is self-interest compatible with a good society? They compared the workings of society with those of a football team. Yes, a football team. Well, a good football team needs good players. Obviously, good players do more than simply dribble and shoot well. They know how to play as a team. If you're a defender, you stay back and protect the goal. If you're an attacker, you move forward and try to score and so on. And if and in a bad team, mm-hmm. players only care about personal glory. They only want to score goals, so they all rush after the ball rather than spreading out and helping each other score. The result is chaos on the pitch and very few goals. Exactly! Well, I am surprised by your knowledge of football. Anyways, society is the team of millions of people who work together and trade together. Gunwil, tell me, what does it take to make that team work well? Well, if economics is like football, then what society needs is for people to work for the team in the interest of society as a whole. But, but what it doesn't need is people caring mainly for themselves, for their self-interest, like footballers obsessed with personal glory. For example, instead of trying to make as much money as possible, bakers would ensure that their neighbors had enough bread for their dinner. Butchers would take on new assistants, not because they really needed them, but because their friends needed jobs. Everyone would be nice to each other and society would be a place of harmony. Yes, yes, perfect. Um, But you know, Smith turned this theory upside down. They argued that society does well when people act in their own self-interest. What? Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to be nice all the time, 
do what's best for you and in the end more people will benefit <laughs> it is not from the benevolence of the butcher the brewer or the baker that we expect our dinner but from the regard to their own interest you get your dinner from the baker not because bakers are nice kind people they might be but i don't know it really doesn't matter right because what matters is the fact that we are getting bread because bakers are pursuing their own self interest by selling it in order to earn money in turn they are earning a living because you we are pursuing our own self interest of having and buying bread we don't care about the bakers and the baker doesn't care about us we probably don't even know each other people benefit each other not because they are like the gold samaritan or like the good person who want to help strangers but because they are doing what's best for themselves in the end self interest leads to social harmony rather than chaos okay i hear you but let's go back to talking about a football team what about the one managing a team a football team needs a manager to organize its players uh i'm about that think of the manager as taking the players by the hand as it were and leading them to different areas of the pitch defenders at the back strikers at the front and so on the manager's guiding hand ensures that the team plays well but no one does the same in the economy no one tells bakers how many loaves to bake brewers what kind of beer to brew they decide for themselves on the basis of what they think will make them money excuse me society functions just fine like that it seems as if there must be the hand of a manager organizing things but when you try to find it it isn't there um to describe this situation smith came up with one of the most famous phrases in economics which also confirms what you were saying they said it's as if the society is guided by an invisible hand ah the economy of a country probably has a lot in common with what smith talked about like in a local shop crates of tomatoes cartons of milk and piles of newspapers how did they get there because the shopkeeper decided to buy them in order to sell them to the people who want them Ooh, kudos gungun looks like you grabbed on to what i was saying no one not the government not the pope not the lord told the shopkeeper what to do it's tempting to think of smith's ideas of the invisible hand as greed is good hmm the concept of invisible hand is just fine but you know what in the 1840s an economist sent a joke letter to the french parliament claiming to be written by candle manufacturers in it the candle makers complain that they are being ruined by competition from a rival who's flooding the market with light at a rock bottom price hmm what ah uh. who's this fearsome competitor threatening to drive them out of the businesses it's the sun huh mhm the candle makers asked the parliament to pass a law requiring the closing of all windows and curtains and the blocking up of any holes that let in sunlight the law would save the candle factories and help to make france rich they say huh 
well, species of French. Anyways, it seems like the author of the letter was making fun of the business people who like constantly complain about competition from foreign products. They may try to present their arguments as being about the good of the nation as a whole, but uh, all they really care about is gaining an advantage for their own companies. That's how it is. Today, we still hear lots and lots of complaints about foreign competition. For example, when American and British steel manufacturers grumble about cheap Chinese steel on sale in their own countries. Mm-hmm. And um, this reminds me of one of the economists, German Frederick List, um, a believer in free trade. But Alexander Hamilton, one of America's founding fathers, talked of the establishment of a specifically American economic system and argued that the government should help build up American industry. Foreign countries try to help their own industries by making it hard for American companies to sell their goods in their lands. And Hamilton thought that America should do the same for its own industries, right? Ricardo's idea of free trade simply wasn't the answer for America now. What I believe is they are all at different stages. Some are advanced industrial societies, some still mainly agricultural. In List's time, Britain was taking off, going through an industrial revolution and economically pulling ahead of America, France and Germany. For the other countries to have a chance of repeating Britain's success, they would have to do something other than the adoption of free trade. Of course, Europe was smart to develop a school of thought over free trade, but there are some hidden costs in free trade that the consumer or intermediator have to pay. Um, so would you bother to contribute to the cost of setting up an army to keep your country safe? Here, army can be seen as public service. Once the army has secured the borders, then no one can be excluded from the benefits. When goods allow free riding, then the market may provide too little or even none of them. So when people create externalities or desire public goods, Adam Smith's invisible hand goes wrong. Oh, that's because um, markets don't make the best use of society's resources. Too much of some bad things are bad and not enough of some good things. Even Pigot said that the government then needs to give markets a push in the right direction. It should encourage positive externalities and discourage negative ones. Payments to companies by the government, known as subsidies, for carrying out research, for example, would encourage the packaging company to develop some more useful technologies than it otherwise would. A tax on the production of paint would encourage the factory to reduce production to the amount best for society as a whole. By the time Pigau was writing, governments were taxing all sorts of goods, including alcohol and petrol, both of which have effects that go beyond the people consuming them. Drunks disturb the sober and motorists wear out the roads that we all share. For public goods, even stronger action is required. The government might have to collect taxes and then use them to supply the good itself. This is why street lightning and armies are nearly always provided by the government. One of the main arguments for having governments at all is that without them, no public goods would be supplied. In a way, we can say, economics is not something magical and unseen. We can find and actually apply thousands of economics concepts in our daily life. 
unknowingly or knowingly we are all involved in economics